Well, this is week five of the Apostles' Creed. We've got today and one more week, and I'm excited about it. It's been so cool just to look at these foundational truths, these things that we know are true. And today, we're going to jump into two, and this is hard to pack all of this in, so bear with us, because this is some good stuff. Don't click your brain off. Don't gaze out the window and, uh, you know, just think about what happens next. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about the church, two very important things to a Christian's walk. Let's go ahead, and before we go on any further, let's recite this creed together. Once again, this isn't scripture, this isn't an incantation, it's not a magical spell, but these are Christian beliefs and foundational truths that we can back up by God's word. You ready? You say it with me in your home. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, and the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Now there's probably no other person of the Godhead that is more uh, confusion around than the Holy Spirit. There's so many things that people do And they say that they're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. They handle snakes. I don't know if you've ever seen this. You watch it on TV. They handle snakes and say the Holy Spirit is, uh, you know, inspiring them to do. They have laughing services where people just laugh and laugh and laugh for, for hours and hours on end. Or you have an evangelist come in and he begins to just like shoot his hands out there and just whole swaths of the congregation fall down. Is that what the Holy Spirit is? Is it just something that inspires us to do strange and unusual things? I believe in the Holy Spirit. And we don't ignore or avoid the Holy Spirit just because some people take their teaching in a strange direction. But understanding the Holy Spirit is a very important thing. So let's check out what Jesus said about the person of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see this in John chapter 14 and verse 18 through 29. I like this first part. We're going to talk about it. It's awesome. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now, this is leading up to the cross, and Jesus is giving them a glimpse of the fact that he won't be with them physically, but he will be with them. He goes on and says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, I love that. Isn't that an awesome thing? For the rest of this guy's life, he had to say, I'm not that Judas, okay? Judas, not Iscariot. He just went ahead and changed his name to that. But it said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? 
Judas, not Iscariot, says, look, how is this all going to work? You'll not be here, but you will be here. How is this going to work? And Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not, this is awesome, you need this today. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away, but I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it takes place. So that when it does take place, you may believe. These things strengthen our faith. But Jesus starts off in this passage saying, I will not leave you as orphans. Now, to be an orphan in this time, in the Bible times, basically meant you had no one to watch over you or care for you. And, and the systems today that we have to take care of children in this position, they're overwhelmed and they're somewhat flawed. And that's why we're working towards coming alongside foster parents. And I'm so excited about being able to do that with our foster closet. But you've got to admit that some system is better than no system. And to be an orphan in these times meant it, it was much more like Oliver Twist or, or Aladdin, right, or Mowgli, where you just had nobody and no support system, no one to look after you, an outsider not fitting in anywhere, not belonging in uh, with anywhere. No part of society accepted you. Now, today, whether you've been raised by a single mom or your grandma or foster parents, or even if you had both parents, you've probably been in a position somewhere at some time where you felt like you did not belong. Maybe it was in middle school where you ate alone at the lunch table. Maybe it was in high school where you, were just, you weren't one of the cool kids. Maybe it was in college where you fell behind in a class and you just couldn't keep up and you got overwhelmed and you felt like everybody else is getting this but me. Maybe it's even now where your boss kind of looks at you as a, a bit of a slacker. And the other people are, are praised for their work and you're kind of put down. Maybe it's even, even in your own marriage where you've got problems and you've got stresses. And so what we try and do is we try and fix the other person. And obviously that works like gangbusters, right? Let me just fix you. You're broken. Let me make this right. And some of us even, we had these times in our relationships and these stresses in our relationships. So we had a great idea. We just came up with this and we said, hey, I know what makes our marriage better. We're having problems. We're having stress. Let's have kids, right? That'll fix everything because complexity and stress always makes things better, right? And the more we try and fix things, the worse it gets. And we just feel like an outsider. We don't feel like we belong and things just aren't going like they, we thought they would. And I don't know where it is for you, but we most likely have all felt that tension that we didn't feel like we fit in, and we didn't belong. And Jesus here is saying to you right now, in this moment, in John 14, 18, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. Yet a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me. This is a, 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 a promise extended to you. 
that you don't have to be alone because I live in you and I also will, uh, you also will live. And in that day you will know that I am in my Father in you and me and I in you. Jesus promises that he will not leave you in a spiritual orphanage. He will not leave you to fend for yourself alone. But Judas, not as scary, it says, how? How, Jesus? I, we're going to see you, but not see you. How is this whole thing going to work? And Jesus answered, verse 25, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Two verses later in uh, John 16, 5, Jesus says this. He says, now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you have asked where I'm going. But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Jesus says, look, I know I've talked about leaving and, and you've had questions, but you haven't even asked them. And, and so sorrow has flooded in. But you shouldn't be sorrowful. Why? Because I tell you the truth. It is your, to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So who is this Holy Spirit? Is it someone that helps you handle snakes, right? Is that what this whole thing is about? No, the Holy Ghost is not spooky. He is a comforter. He is a helper. He is a counselor, the minister to our souls. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit indwells believers and it seals their salvation forever. And it helps us take steps toward sanctification, which is growing in our faith. And it empowers us to exhibit the proof of the Holy Spirit like love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness. The Holy Spirit teaches us God's word and helps us remember and understand the wisdom of God's word. How do we know if we possess the Holy Spirit? Back in John uh, 14, 23, Jesus just said, he said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. We're no longer orphans. We have a home with God. But again, in these passages, we see sincere works don't save us, but sincere belief changes us and if we truly love and believe on christ it will change us and we'll endeavor to keep his word and not only that he will make our orphaned heart his home and that's permanent through thick and thin no take backs no matter what and as the holy spirit makes our heart his home he helps us clean it up he gets that dirty stuff out of our heart, that broken stuff he heals. And that's a process of sanctification. We're not going to ever be perfect, but God is going to help us to grow. You know, it's pretty depressing to try and clean a whole house by yourself, right? You could get a little stressful, but when someone else comes alongside of you, it's so encouraging when they join in and say, let's do this together. I'm not just going to sit back and tell you all the flaws you've got. No, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to help. In these verses, again, we see this dance of the three persons of the Trinity, Jesus indwelling God and the Holy Spirit indwelling Jesus, all of them playing a role in each other's work. Now, in the early church, before they had the completed Bible, the Holy Spirit 
empowered uh, prophets and, and, and apostles with uh, sign gifts like speaking in tongues and raising from the dead, foretelling of future events. And these things God gave them, the Holy Spirit gave them as signs to the church that the preachers and teachers were in fact speaking through the Holy Spirit on behalf of God. These were signs that they, what they were saying was true. But as the Bible began to uh, getting near completion, these things seems to have, uh, these sign gifts seem to have tailed off. Well, Pastor Phil, what are you saying? Does the Holy Spirit not speak anymore? Is that what you're trying to say here? Of course he does. Of course he does. Because Jesus left us. He promised us that we would not be alone. But he speaks today through impressions on our hearts, through prayer. He speaks through his word. He speaks through other men and women of God that help us through encouragement and insight and experience and people coming alongside of us. The Holy Spirit, it just told us, teaches us and helps us remember. It teaches us and helps us remember. But know this, the Holy Spirit will never, ever contradict the Bible. The Holy Spirit will never contradict the Bible. So that means the Holy Spirit is never going to tell you to start a relationship with someone that is not your wife. It's not going to happen. The Holy Spirit's not going to cross the lines that God outlined in his word. But if we're faithful to yield and to surrender to the Holy Spirit, then we can have that belonging and that fitting in a home that will help us and comfort us and that, that home that we've been searching for, that belonging. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Christian Church and the communion of the saints. Next, we're moving on from who God is and how the Trinity works to what it means for us. Who are we? Who is the church? Now, let's start off remembering that we are made in the image of God, Imago Dei. And just like God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they fellowship together and they commune with one another. We are also made to do that as well. Man is set apart from every other creature. Kevin Van Hooser says this. He says, because, because God is a three persons in relationship, the only way that we can realize a Mago Day in humanity's form is through a community of persons in loving relationships. The church then is the community of God, not only because, God, uh, because it has been created by the triune God, but because the church shares in the triune community itself. So what is he saying? He's saying because you and I, as human beings, were made in the image of God, then God is at work among us in a way that is unique. Van Hooser argues that the only way that we can truly uh, recognize and realize Imago Dei is to have a relationship with other people, a communion with other people, a fellowship. And he would define that as the church. That's the only way that we can realize the way that uh, the reason that we were made. The importance of having a community of saints and a relationship with each other is emphasized when they ask Jesus what the most important uh, commandment was. Matthew 12, 28. The scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked them, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, 
The most important. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Here it is. You ready? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Okay, I get that, right? God made me. Most important thing is to love God. But the second, isn't this awesome? He asked for the most important. Jesus put this one right there with it. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And look, he actually kind of makes them one commandment. God says, if you're going to love me, you've got to love what I love, and I love people. Love God and love your neighbor. If you want to know what the most important thing for you to do, Jesus says it right here. Love God, love your neighbor. And when we think about what does God want me to do? What is God's will for my life? What is God doing in the world today? Love God, love your neighbor. Commune with God, commune with your neighbor. Well, that sounds hard, God. How am I going to do that? How am I going to accomplish that? It would be really nice, God, if you would just come up with a system and a structure where we could do this. That's called the church. That's what we're here for, to love God and love our neighbor. Well, who's our neighbor? (laughs) Jesus defined that for us, too. It's people all across the world, anyone that we come in contact with. We gather together and we worship the Lord together. We grow together through encouraging and keeping each other accountable. And we give together, serving alongside with each other and helping impact the community and around the world. Hey, if we could get these two things right, we'd be doing pretty good, right? Love God and love people. And the church is the base of operations for these missions. The church is an amazing gift. And it's awesome to know that we share this thing called the church with people all across the world, in every language, in every nation. We might not be able to see each other. We might not be able to uh, communicate with each other, but we are in this together as the Holy Christian Church. We share the hope of the gospel, and we are not alone in this. Now, some of us have been able to see this beautiful thing called the universal church. I've been able to and blessed to be able to see it in Indonesia and in in Cuba and in Costa Rica and the Dominican Republic and in the Bahamas, where I show up having nothing in common, not even really be able to communicate with anybody else, nothing in common. And yet it's enough. We share this thing, this love of Jesus, and it's enough. I believe in the Holy Christian Church. What a wonderful gift, the church. But don't get it confused, though. The church is not the place. You ready? Church is not the place where we serve you. It's not the place where we serve me. It's not the church. It's not where we come to worship you. And if you're finding yourself saying all the time things like, well, I don't like that, and I don't agree with that, and I don't like this song, You might have forgotten the two things. Love God and love people. You might not like some stuff and, hey, that's okay. I don't like some stuff either. That's okay. Why? Because we're not trying to please you. We're not trying to please me. And as leadership of a church, it's impossible to even begin to wrap our arms about how we make everyone happy. We couldn't even begin to touch making a fourth of the people happy. So instead, why don't you join us in trying to do this instead? 
Not worrying about my happiness, but instead worrying about how do we please God? Let's focus on that. And if we all would try and please God, if we all would tune ourselves to God, then we would be tuned to each other. Now, obviously, right now, things are strange and church looks different and we don't know how it's going to get back and, and when all this will change. And when, when it does change, we don't even know what it will look like. Look, the church might never go back just to how it was, but that's okay, right? Because going back has never been our mission. No, our mission is to love God and to love people. And that's how we need to uh, to approach today. How do we do that? How do we continue to do that? And it might be different than it was three months ago. It's definitely different than it was 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 500 years ago. Things are changing. And how do we best uh, accomplish the mission that we have been left with? To love God and love people. But this much is clear. You ought to belong to a church. If you're a Christian and you're watching with us and you haven't found a church home yet, look, things are going to be rough. It's going to be hard to grow in your faith. Whether it's this church or another church, we need the church. Now, look, it's great to check one out for a few months, right? right? And, and to make sure that there's not some strange beliefs that uh, you know, are creeping in that go against God's word. But at some point, you have to, you have to plant yourself. You say, this is where I'm going to love God and love people. And then after you plant yourself, you decide that you aren't leaving. Once you plant yourself, you say, this is where God wants me. You say, no matter what, this is my church. This is where I am going to be planted. And you realize then that when hardships come and trials come, that that is where the beauty is at. When we have grace for each other, when we disagree. Because that's what the gospel is all about. The miracle of of diverse people coming together in the name of Christ. We don't jump ship over methods. We don't hop ship over little offenses. We don't fight over my way, over your way. But what we do is we constantly check the preaching and teaching with God's word. And we make sure that the Bible is always being lifted up and that people are being drawn to Christ. The Bible calls the church a body, right? The body parts are a fairly permanent thing, right? Hopefully. But the the body parts also participate. And when God gave us the church, the, the point was not for you to attend somewhere. The point was for you to belong somewhere to belong to a church and that means the church is not just something uh that you come to it's something you participate in you join in you lend a hand because it's not a church thing it's your thing because you belong to it and you are part of it and it is part of you sure you know the church is important but do you believe it has it changed you Are your actions making that clear? Are you really in community with the church? And if you were in community with the church, it would change how you treated one another. Matt Chandler highlights all the one another's in the Bible. Buckle your seatbelt. You ready for this? In the New Testament, again and again, we see all these one another's. There's like 59 one another's. It tells us to do to each other. 
It says, love one another, serve one another, accept one another, strengthen one another, help one another, encourage one another, care for one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, commit to one another, build trust with one another, be devoted to one another, be patient with one another, be interested in one another, be accountable to one another, confess to one another, live in harmony with one another, don't pass judgment on one another, don't slander one another. Instruct one another, greet one another, admonish one another, spur one another towards love and good deeds. Meet with one another, agree with one another, be concerned with one another, be humbled to one another in love, be compassionate to one another. Your Christian walk can't work if there's no one another's around. Other people have to be involved in it. How can you possibly be compassionate to one another if you don't know their story, if you don't know their life, if you don't know their history, if you don't know what they've been through? To know where people are coming from creates empathy and compassion. And if you know someone's background, you're more apt to to have those things than if you don't know them. How can you love someone you don't know? And in order to know someone's background, you must actually know them. Face-to-face conversations, meals together, coffee together, phone calls, emails. It's got to be deeper than just seeing them on Facebook. That's knowing facts about someone. That's not knowing someone. Do not be angry with one another. Don't lie to one another. Don't grumble to one another. Give preference to one another. Be at peace with one another. Be of the same mind to one another. Comfort one another. Be kind to one another. Live in peace with one another. Carry one another's burden. Do you get the point yet? Your life as a Christian needs to have one another's in it. And the church is that battleground where we work out these one another's. This is where we put it in practice. And there are possible, it's absolutely impossible if you're just an attender. If you just go to a church rather than belonging to a church. You cannot work out these things that God intended for you to do. That's the idea of the church. And we work on these things imperfectly, but we're seriously pursuing them right here in the local church. This is where we're going to commit to work out the one another's. If you're going to be part of a local church family where we work on one another's together as this communion of saints, then you need to be willing to get messy, to jump in, and really get to know one another. What does God want me to do in the church? Maybe what God wants you to do is not something that's on a stage, it's not on a committee somewhere. Maybe, and maybe, let me take that out. Not maybe. This is what God wants you to do. Get to know someone. Because once you get to know someone, then... You can work out these one another's with them, loving and encouraging one another. You cannot isolate yourself. I don't care what your personality is. That doesn't matter because these are commands. I don't care if you're shy. That may sound harsh to you. I used to be shy too, but you know what made me not shy? God kept pushing me to move forward. And to, and to say, it's not about how I feel. That's just selfishness. I've got to get out of that shell and reach out to somebody, even though it makes me uncomfortable, even though I'm scared about getting rejected. I cannot be the Christian God has commanded me to be 
while I sit alone in the corner and don't talk to anybody. Or I grumble about how nobody ever comes and talks to me. We have to work these things out. We have to get to know one another. And for those of you that are comfortable and you're not worried about your risk and your vulnerability, man, an awesome way. This could change our church for 50 years in the future. These watch parties that we've just announced in June, imagine what kind of relationship you can build with people that you don't know by having them sit in your home, listening to God's word together, talking about it. How long would you need to know someone before you would ever bring this stuff up? I don't know why as Christians we wait, you know. We don't want to be judged or something. But how would this accelerate your relationships with one another? To sit in a home, in your home, in their home, discuss these things, God's word together, and then break bread and eat together. That is what Christians have been doing for thousands of years. And look, obviously, look, if you're at risk... If you, uh, you know, got anxiety about it, by all means. If someone says, hey, look, I don't feel comfortable doing that, that is amazing. That is awesome. But for those of us that are going to do this anyway, and we're going to go have a barbecue somewhere with two or three, look, this is worth it. Because we've got to work out the one another's. We've got to make those calls. We've got to drop in to people's messages. We've got to do something for somebody. That we've, somebody we've never done something before. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I get stuck sometimes just only reaching out to the people that are, are easy for me to reach out to, if I do it at all. But how are we supposed to make it in this life? It's hard. It's confusing. But God tells us he's not going to leave us alone. He's going to give us a helper, and that's the Holy Spirit, a comforter, a teacher, your counselor. And then he gives us a community. And that's your church, where you come together and you're helping one another, being part of one another's lives. And I can guarantee, if you're a Christian, you put your faith in Christ and you're struggling with your Christian walk, one of these two problems, one of these two things you're leaving behind. Either you're not walking in the Spirit, you're not spending personal time alone with God, or you're not walking in community with your church. Hey, I know you know these things. These things you've known for years and years. But can you really say that you believe them, that you are right now allowing them to change you? Yeah, maybe you let them change you 10 years ago, but today, can you really say that I believe in the Holy Spirit and I'm taking action on that? I believe in the Holy Christian Church and I'm allowing that to change me. I believe in the communion of the saints. Are you actually in communion with those around you, working out those one another's? If you're honest, like I know, I have failed at this. I have not stepped out to be the church that works out these one another's the way that I should. And I think you could say the same. There's people that I don't know. It's, it's not okay to go to church and not know anybody. It doesn't work. That's not how a church, that's not a church. That's a place where we go and watch something together. That's a movie theater. You can't do it. It doesn't work. This is the only way that we have what we need, walk in the Holy Spirit, and walk in community with your church. 
And it's the only way we're the church that we need to be to this world and this community. Let's take this time. We know that people need us. We know they're struggling with depression and anxiety and grief and all those different things. We know right now is when people need us. We've got to do this. We cannot leave it on the wayside. We cannot get bored with it. It's a thing we always should have been doing. Let's ask God to solidify these things in our heart. Let's make this part of our DNA, to not let a one another come in to our community without working out these things. 